A pair of NL teams are contending with health issues, and could the Pirates' third base situation already be settled? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, July 3rd. Al Melchior here, and I am joined by Derek Van Riper and uh, DVR. Um, we've got a, a busy show here as we head into the uh, 4th of July weekend. And um, you know, I was wondering when we would see a schedule. I actually thought maybe we'd see one by now, but uh, there was a tweet on Thursday from John Heyman that clarified that for me and for everybody else. Uh, Major League Baseball is expected to release their 2020 schedule sometime next week, so we can uh, try to enjoy this weekend, and um, you know, hopefully soon we'll we'll have that schedule in hand. Um, the other thing too uh, that's you know uh, certainly worth noting, and um, you know if if you haven't caught it yet. Uh, there's a, a video on MLB.com with uh, Tommy Hadovy. He's the uh, the Cubs pitching coach who is back after a month-long uh, bout with COVID-19. Um, I found it very moving, DVR, um, and uh, I'll just let it speak for itself. Um, but uh, very good to have uh, Tommy Hadovy back with the Cubs. Uh, but we have other Cubs news as well. And uh, on Thursday, Thursday morning, actually, Jose Quintana had surgery on his thumb. He had apparently a deep laceration from washing dishes, and he will not throw for two more weeks, is expected to start the season on the injured list, and, and there's no timetable for a return as of yet. So um, is this something that you think should move the needle in terms of um, a potential fifth starter moving in or... Uh, you know, do you think that maybe this could just be a, a short-term thing and, and it doesn't really change anything for anybody? I think this could be a little more significant when you read some of the details of that press release. Uh, the reason Quintana had to go undergo surgery was for some nerve damage that was detected in his thumb, and it's his pitching hand. So uh, that gives me some pause. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the delay ends up being more than two weeks. Uh, it, he might start throwing in two weeks, as they expect, but it just may take him longer than expected to be at a point where he's comfortable enough to pitch in games. And you know, as we've said time and time again, in a 60-game season, missing a couple of weeks is a much bigger deal than when you miss a couple of weeks in a 162-game season. This is going to be an interesting test for the Cubs' pitching depth because I don't really love it. I think they've got... <laughs> Just enough to weather one injury like this in a short season, and that still puts them in a position where some guys that bring a lot of questions are, are going to be a bigger part of their plan. Yeah, well, you know, when you you started with the phrase Cubs pitching depth, I thought maybe you're going to say they just don't have any. Uh, it's not really fair, though. Um, <laughs> uh, so there are a few candidates uh, to move into that spot. And actually, look, before we, we talk about those candidates, do you think then this is more of an issue of that we should discount Jose Quintana in uh, upcoming drafts? Or, you know, are there other uh, changes in value that we should uh, should be thinking about? I think in most mixed leagues, it kind of bumps him off the radar of being draftable. I, I think injury optimism and, and waiting for players to come back in leagues that don't have dedicated IL spots is going to be uh, a real challenge for people this season. You're going to have to make more difficult decisions than usual. You're not going to want to wait it out. And I think with Quintana, 
For me, Al, he's probably, when healthy, a top 70 or top 80 starting pitcher. So certainly not a bad player, but not a guy that you would necessarily just put in your lineup all the time. And I think unless you're talking about a player you would use all the time when healthy, you probably don't want to sit back and and wait for someone like that to come back from an injury. Yeah, uh, that's uh, certainly, uh, you know, I think it's something that everybody could could agree with, you know, given that he was looking pretty fringy. I mean, in terms of ADP, he was barely on the uh, 12-team radar as it was. Um, but yeah, in terms of some of the uh, candidates to come in and fill the, that, you know, vacancy in the rotation for however long that uh, that may be there, Alec Mills, I think, is the consensus uh, pick for the most likely uh, beneficiary for for starts and playing time. Tyler Chatwood gets bumped up, so I think we need to talk about him a little bit. And then uh, you know there may be some other candidates as well. So uh, let's start with Chatwood. Uh, where do you start thinking about him, or how do you start thinking about him differently? I think Chatwood he has a little more of a, a floor in terms of just being in the rotation because he becomes the four. And someone else like Alec Mills maybe becomes the five. The thing that I'm, I'm still curious about with Chatwood is whether or not he's been able to fix the walks issue. If you look back at what was happening in spring training, he had 11 strikeouts, it's two walks, just nine and two thirds innings. I don't want to ignore that completely, but I also think that there could be something there. I mean, this is a guy that does still miss a lot of bats, didn't have a major home run issue in the year of the rabbit ball, but spent most of his time working out of the Cubs bullpen. So, it's a long way of saying I think Chatwood probably is outside of the mixed league radar for me. He's more of an NL only sort of guy. I guess if we're talking like a 20 team, like a mega dynasty league where you know, you're talking 180 active pitchers are in lineups any given time. He's very rosterable in those formats now, uh, but I think he's more of a wait and see kind of a matchup play as the season begins. Okay, and then uh, Alec Mills or you know anybody else that you want to add to the list there, um, does this really move the needle for, for him or anybody else? I actually kind of like Mills a little bit more. I think there's definitely some concerns that home runs are going to get him, but you look at the strikeout to walk ratios at AAA Iowa last year and with the Cubs, those were really good. 138 Ks against 41 walks, and that was in 140 combined innings. A sub three ERA, 117 whip during his time in Chicago. Um, so I actually like him a little bit more because I'm willing to take the elevated home run rate flaw over the unknown, potentially very high walk rate problem that, that Chatwood can bring to the table. Uh, so even though Chatwood might have a little bit more job security, I'm more intrigued by Mills. That being said, I think it's got to be at least a 15 team league for me to draft him. And even in that case, He's one of my absolute last picks, like a round 28, 29, round 30 sort of consideration rather than somebody who I'd prioritize. That's what I think as well. And that's not any sort of reflection on the type of picture that I would expect Alec Mills to be. It's just that you know, we, we at this stage have no idea how many starts he might actually make. So it's yeah, one of those late round dart throws that you you hope maybe does uh, does pay off. Um Let's uh, move over to the uh, NL East, uh, where uh, this is actually a pretty pretty big story. Um, the Phillies placed four players on the IL: Scott Kingery, Hector Neris, 
Tommy Hunter and Ranger Suarez. And then uh, on Thursday was, uh, I think, you know, close to a full day after the initial announcement. Uh, it was uh, announced that they are all on the COVID-19 injury list. And just to be clear, that doesn't necessarily mean that any one of the four has tested positive. It could mean just that they've been in contact with somebody. Uh, we can't, you know, speculate at all uh, about anything there. Um, but I guess what we can talk about is that if um, any of these players are out for an extended period of time, do you think that that maybe opens the window for Alec Bohm to uh, play more this season or somebody else maybe to to slide into the closers role in the case of Neris? Yeah, I think Bohm is kind of the next hitter into the mix, regardless, you know, whether it's an injury or whatever it might be that opens up opportunities. They have a little bit of versatility with how they arrange their infield. They can move Gene Segura between second, third, and short as needed. Uh, we saw Segura playing a little third base when things stopped back in March. Uh, so maybe he moves over to second base and, and Bohm just plays third to start the season. That might be an arrangement that the Phillies think is their best possible lineup. I think the interesting thing here to consider, though, is that in this shortened season, a player has to spend, I believe it is six days, not on the active roster in order to have his team retain the extra year of service time. I have to imagine most teams are still prioritizing that because that's just how they roll. So if you're looking at Bohm and you're thinking about him as a mixed league option, he's another late round sort of flyer. You probably have to wait at least one full lineup period, one whole week at least before he gets that opportunity. And I think you can only really afford to have one player like that on your bench because you're going to have to maximize playing time as much as you possibly can. It's always a good strategy, but it's an important thing to do in a shortened season where every single strikeout, every single save, every single win Every single home run and RBI and run, it's all going to make a difference this year. I actually want to talk about that. I'm going to put that discussion on hold because that came up for me in a draft that you and I uh, both did on Wednesday night um, that was run by Pitcher List. Uh, so I'm going to, I want you to hold that thought for a little bit. Uh, but there's another uh, aspect to this Phillies news that I want to discuss. Uh, and that's getting back to the saves issue because. Um, you know, Hector Neris, we don't know how long he's going to be on the COVID-19 injured list. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez has not had Tommy John surgery yet, but obviously will not be available. I'm not sure if there's another pitcher in that bullpen. And if there was one, it might have been Tommy Hunter, who's also on the IL. Um, I'm not sure there's another pitcher in that bullpen that that just stands out for me as somebody that would be draftable. Yeah, it's a pure dart throw at this point, looking at some of the names who are healthy. I mean, when Anthony Swarzak is good, he could be good. Uh, maybe Nick Pavetta can thrive in a short relief role. But Norris is there. He's picked up saves before. Maybe just the fact that he's held that job before bumps him to the front of the line for those first opportunities. A couple of lefties, Jose Alvarez and Adam Morgan are there. They got Francisco Liriano. Cole Irvin was a starter for them a little bit last year. Um, now I'm just naming the depth chart, which is not necessarily <laughs> analysis, but I think it's it's highlighting the uncertainty. Like yeah. there's not someone that just stands out as the clear cut option because of uh, these players being unavailable and because of a few other injuries, like the Dominguez one that you mentioned. It's definitely not an easy sort of call. I think you also have to wonder, you know, if Spencer Howard is on the opening day roster. If that bumps Vince Velasquez from the rotation, is he a consideration? You know, I, I think if you mm. 
if you look to this team and you want to speculate, I think you'd look more toward the guys that don't fit in the rotation. And I, I count Pavetta among that group and take your shot there because there's a chance they end up in the rotation and there's a chance they end up in the ninth inning. And there's a chance you fall in the middle and <laughs> they don't get saves and they don't start. But at least you, you've got a couple of ways for that player to end up panning out for you. Yeah. And another thing I noted about the Phillies bullpen is that they do have a, a, a lot of lefties. And so some of their best relievers are lefties, Adam Morgan, um, Francisco Liriano, um, Jose Alvarez. I think any one of those three could be a decent closer. And it's not one of these situations where, you know, you have to think, well, you know, they could close, but they really need that matchup uh, earlier in the game uh, with left-handed batter. So I think they've got enough depth there with lefties that those are uh, three players I would would uh, be monitoring uh, to be sure. And uh, let's go back to the the central because uh, we have a note from uh, Rob Beer Temple on the Pirates, and uh, a bit of a surprise, I think. I'm not sure how much how important this is DVR, but uh, in Rob's piece, he uh, wrote that Colin Moran pretty much has that third base job locked down. Um, that uh, he's expected to get the bulk of the playing time for the Pirates at third base, and I think that's been one of the more interesting storylines in the. Original spring training was, um, you know, how soon we might see Cabrian Hayes. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I know Moran is not really, uh, has not excited a lot of people from a fantasy perspective. Um, but I'm not sure that Hayes, who's who's a really good prospect, I'm not sure that he's somebody that I would expect to just come right up and, and necessarily be a, a mixed league force either. Right. I think Hayes' glove has long been ahead of his bat and his hit tools been ahead of his power so it's a long way of saying he might be a much better real life player right now and even forever than he is a fantasy player Uh, what i can't quite wrap my head around it's not surprising because it's the pirates and most teams do this like i was saying before if you don't want to play cabrian hayes this year okay like so you're worried about 2027 right now like that just seems kind of ridiculous like if you don't bring him up in 2020 and you wait a few weeks in 2021, that means you have them for six years from 2022 to 2027. How ridiculous does it seem to be even thinking about the year 2027 when we're crawling through 2020 right now? Like, it's just, it drives me nuts. Like, just play the guy. Let him hone his craft. Let him continue to develop. It's more important to make sure that Cabrian Hayes sees as much big league pitching as possible now so the next time you have a good team in Pittsburgh, even if that's 2023 or 2024, he's as good as he can possibly be. Like, Why is that not the number one priority when 2027 still sounds like a made-up year? <laughs> right. Well, at one point, 2020 did too. So, uh, But no, I can uh, I can certainly sympathize with that, that sentiment. And I just want to, uh, real quick here, Talk about one more pirate here, and that's Josh Bell. Because in our draft the other night, um, I had a I wanted to fill first base. I had a choice between Josh Bell and Anthony Rizzo, and given that I I really wanted to get somebody with a little bit more power, I decided to go with Bell, even though I generally value Rizzo more. And after I made the pick, I realized in a sixty game season that wasn't real smart to do because the difference between Bell and Rizzo in terms of power upside. And, you know, what is a little bit more than a third of the season, maybe just a couple of homers. So uh, real quick, what, you know, what's your thought on that sort of dilemma? Yeah, I I think going through that process yesterday and and being in that league with you, I, I started to realize that 
lineup position and role are really important because skills are so flat. I mean, I think the difference between Bell and Rizzo is so small that it's almost like give me whichever one is going two rounds later if there's a discount. In a lot of cases, that's Bell. I, I, I think over a, a shorter sample, the power up output could be comparable. So I don't. I wouldn't feel bad about how that turned out for you. But I think Bell's a fixture in that lineup and. You know the quality around him is less than what Rizzo has around him, so maybe the counting stats are where Bell falls a little bit short. But I could see Bell coming out on top when it comes to power output this season. Well, that's my hope, <laughs> and I would love to talk more about this mock draft. But I understand that you and Eno covered it on Rates and Barrels, so I would definitely encourage people, just in general, to listen to Rates and Barrels, but especially to what this is the most recent episode, right, where people can hear more about that mock. Yep, that's right. It was for a good cause, too. It was for a charity called Dream. So thanks to our friends at Pitcher List for putting that together. Absolutely. And thank you uh, for uh, including us. I know we both had a lot of fun doing it. And before we head out here, um, let's get to our featured read. Uh, another excellent piece from Eno and Emily Walden. So, you know, what, what more can you want uh, than a piece from Eno and Emily? And really, really interesting. You know, where do minor leaguers go uh, now with no minor league season? Um, and that's exactly what they addressed with no minor leagues or college ball. Where will prospects go to play? So do check that out. So have a great weekend, everybody. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be back here on Monday. <laughs>